Hi, guys, and welcome back to our podcast, Healing the Broken Marriage. I'm Alicia. And I'm Brian. And we just want to welcome you. Um, if you are new, we hope you'll stick around. And please like, share, and sub- subscribe. And I really want to encourage you guys to please share today's episode with someone you know who needs hope in their marriage. Um, if you're going through a rough time right now, you know how much it means to you when someone shares hope with you. So I just want to encourage you to do the same with someone else who is in need. Wouldn't you agree? I feel like we just try in our podcast to just offer hope and just infuse hope to anyone who's listening. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an honor to do that. It really is. It's an honor to be able to do these and to give people hope to get through what they're going through. And it don't have to be just their marriage. Yeah. It can be life in general. Absolutely. And I know, like I've said in the past, we definitely don't know everything there is to know regarding marriage. But what we have learned along the way, we will share with you. And don't you feel like that's what life is all about? sharing what you've learned with other people yeah for the most part sometimes you don't want to share things you learned because they were like you know turned out being failures but you can share on the aspect that they don't make the same mistakes right kind of like do this not that like cooking and stuff (laughs) exactly sharing what you've learned with other people i think is so important But um, so today we're going to continue our conversation about trauma and what that has looked like in my own life. But I want to let you know that trauma is not a life sentence. If you've experienced trauma in your life, just tell yourself, this is not a life sentence. Um. It may take a lot of time, attention, prayer, and therapy, but you can overcome trauma, right? Totally agree. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, like I've said before, it's a process. You uh, can't expect it to happen overnight and you're going to have backs, you know, setbacks along the way for sure. But just having the faith and you know, hope, faith and hope's a big thing. I mean, they work <clears throat> kind of in conjunction with each other. Yeah, like hand in hand. But one, one feeds off the other. So if you have faith and you have hope together, it really pushes you ahead, you know, getting, getting through the trauma and healing from it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, like you were saying, you need faith and hope together. And I think... Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. I think that's a bookstore. It was a bookstore <laughs> for where we live. But you have to, like you said last week, you have to love yourself. Yeah. To be able to love others. And that's kind of a confusing paraphrase, I guess, but it's true. If you don't love yourself, you can't help others and love them like God wants you to. You can't. And I think a lot of the Christian world, they think of self-love as pride. Or being conceited. Right. There's a huge difference. Yeah. But I think of self-love as just taking care of your own heart. Right. You know, taking care of yourself, taking care of 
what's inside, who you are, your identity. Kind of like having a spa day. Spa day for yourself. (laughs) But when I think of trauma, um, which I don't think of often, so I don't want you guys to think like I just sit around and think about trauma, but it is fascinating and I've been learning so much about it. But I think of trauma like this. It's a deep wound under the skin. And I think a lot of people um, can relate to this example because this is actually something that I've done in my own life regarding trauma. You put a Band-Aid on it because if you don't, you don't want to have to see it. And if you don't see it, it doesn't exist, right? The Band-Aid on is a quick fix. You know, sometimes you can make the hurt or the uh, the ugliness of the trauma disappear with a Band-Aid. But eventually it has to be exposed. Just like when you, you know, kids have a Band-Aid on and they want to leave it on and you say, you need to take that off and let the air get to it so it heals. You know, you're exposing it um, so it can heal. And, you know, you're not only having to do that a lot of times, but you have to clean the wound or you have to put things on it to help it heal. So, you know, covering up don't don't heal the trauma or heal the wound. You know, at some point you're going to have to expose it, take care of it, clean it, um, treat it before the healing actually really starts. Yeah. I know. I think a lot of times for people that have walked through trauma, you don't really know what to do with it. So you do nothing. And in a way, it's kind of like what you were saying. You just put that Band-Aid on there so you don't have to see it, which kind of pulls me back into my nursing days, my nursing roots. And putting a Band-Aid over a wound especially a deep wound that doesn't work. And what starts to happen is the skin above the wound will start to grow closed only to encapsulate a growing infection. I'm looking at my my husband's face right now. He's acting so grossed out, but we will, we will digress. We'll continue. (laughs) So that, that growing infection can then turn into sepsis. And sepsis happens when an infection you already have triggers a chain reaction throughout your body. And without treatment, sepsis can rapidly lead to tissue damage, organ failure, and death. So I bet you guys didn't think you were going to get a little health class. (laughs) But I like to think of trauma as an un- an infection that is undealt with and can ultimately destroy you. I mean, it may not physically kill you, although I do believe that trauma leads to a lot of physical, um, you know, conditions that people have as well that are undealt with. But trauma does have to be dealt with. It's that festering wound inside that left unhealed can affect your well-being in so many ways. One thing that I had to do to get healing, and you know, guys, the healing process is messy. 
Because like you were saying, it requires taking that Band-Aid off. And I don't know if you've ever watched any medical shows, you know, and it can look gory when they have to remove that bandage and go in and get all of the infection out. What you do is they'll scrape all of that dead, infected, dying skin to expose fresh skin. Life. Yeah. And then it'll start to bleed and you start to feel. And so even though it looks, and I remember back in my nursing days, you know, a doctor would come in the room and they would have a patient that had a wound and we'd have to clean that wound out. And I remember it would look worse. It would look worse when they left. It would be real fleshy and meaty and bloody. (laughs) Hopefully nobody's listening to this while they're eating dinner. But that is so necessary. And I remember a lot of times the patient would cringe in pain. We'd have to medicate them beforehand. But that's so necessary, I think, especially in the when you're trying to heal from a wound, from a trauma, not to put a Band-Aid on it because out of sight is not out of mind. It's literally just festering under the skin, waiting um, for its time. You know, what you don't deal with will eventually deal with you. Yeah. It's like the old saying goes, deal with it now or deal with it later. Yeah. So I know it's so hard to deal with some things sometimes, but I think we've all learned once we whether they're exposed and then we deal with them or they're already exposed and then we have to go through the, a lot of times, a trauma at that point to try to um, get through that. If we don't deal with it at some point, it just gets harder and harder. And a lot of times you're, you just wear your body down emotionally, stress-wise, and just, you know, I losing sleep, sleep, literally losing sleep. and then we deal with it and, and we look back and we're like, we got through that. And I wish I had done it before now because, you know, all the sleepless nights and stress and restlessness and anxiety that it caused. So yeah, each, everything has to be dealt with and really the sooner the better, which isn't an easy thing to do. You know, it's, it's easy to procrastinate when you don't want to face something and that's understandable right and I think that for the person that's experienced trauma um, you have to make sure you're ready to deal with it you know yeah you need to have in a good place to deal with it and you know even if you can have a strong um, support group around you it's really you know it's like any battle you don't want to go into battle if you're Alone. not ready yourself, you don't want to go into battle if you've been beat down and um have your armor on. Right. But you want to go into battle with those around you who are willing to battle with you. And, you know, that's when we can overcome stuff. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I love that. Don't go into these kind of things alone. 
Well, not like when you battled for me, you were, you know, you were probably at your lowest, but you had a big group of people surrounding you, you know, praying and fasting with you for me. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that's what helped you through a lot of it. A lot of people, some people have trouble asking for help. I'm like that. I want to be a problem solver and take care of myself. The last thing I want to do is have to ask somebody for help. But you know, a lot of times we, if nothing else, if not in the on the spiritual realm side, if it's not asking for help, you know, I don't know how to say this, not on the worldly side, but on the spiritual side of things, you know, we should we shouldn't be ashamed to ask for help, you know, spiritually to have people surround us in prayer or to fast for us. Because we know the chains and the strongholds that can break when you have people like that lifting you up in a time like that, that you're going through something or trying to heal or come out of something. Yeah. I mean, even in the Bible, it says one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000. And so the more people you can have around you, and I don't know where we got this concept of, you know, suffering alone, because it's such a lonely place. To be in pain all by yourself, walk into church or like a women's group or men's group, trying to hold it together, not let anyone in. I don't understand, you know, and I was the same way. I didn't want to, I mean, I did have to tell people eventually because my husband wasn't with me a lot of times. So I would have to tell, you know, like, oh, this is what's going on. But I think if people would open up more, I mean, it definitely needs to be somebody who is safe for you. I definitely wouldn't just open up with anybody, you know, somebody that is not safe and that maybe will, you know, go around telling everything you've said that might not be a good choice, <laughs> the person. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, in the day's world too, that the church has failed a lot of people, you know, because, I mean, just being upfront and honest, we're, we're man, you know, we're not God. God will never fail us. And no matter, I mean, there's so many good churches out there and so many good pastors and leaders, but there's some that aren't. And then there's some that are that their church, you know, it, the body itself just isn't, they're not one. So, you know, they're not operating like God's called them to be. And I think that's why people have a lot of trouble asking sometimes the church people or the church itself because, you know, they're at their last ditch effort or they're at their last straw and they feel like I have to go into this building and I've got all these issues. And, you know, they get it wrong because they think everybody in that church building is perfect. That's why they're there. Yeah. And they're absolutely. not, you know, they're not at all. And I think if the, and the church has some to blame for this because I think if the church itself would start thinking of themselves as a hospital, because, you know, there's so many people that's like, I can't go to church because I don't have nice clothes. Well, half the people go into an emergency room has their clothes cut off of them because mm -hmm. they've been in an accident. Right. Yep. Or they're bloody with dirt on them. Yeah. Or I can't go to church because I'm dirty, you know, or I can't go to church and ask for help. Because I should have it together. Yeah, my life. But, you know, when people go to the ER, 
they're crying for help. And oh, the yeah. ER people aren't pushing them back outside because they're dirty or their clothes are torn or, you know, they're not who they think they should be. They get them in, they get them in a room and they start taking care of them no matter who they are. They don't, you know, they don't judge them. They don't ask questions like, well, why are you here? Why are you, you know, this. And I think if the church would operate like that, more in that sense of like, we're just going to get you in the doors and we're going to do whatever we have to, to help you heal and to make you better. And we'll worry about the old ragged clothes or the dirt on you or the, you know, the physical or emotional dirt that they have on them. We'll deal with that later. Let's just get you in and get the healing process started. And I think it's, that's where the church has failed a lot of people. I think that's why a lot of people have trouble going and asking for help. Yeah. I feel like what the, what they don't know, they don't know. And I feel like, I feel like especially maybe more so nowadays that they're more open to, you know what I mean? I feel like things are changing in a good direction, but yeah, definitely when we were going through a lot of stuff, it was not that way. (laughs) Yeah, there's been a shift just in the last year or two with churches, you know, where people just, they just want you there to worship with them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it it hasn't always been like that. Yeah. I know. I I am glad. I can, I agree with you. I can see things are starting to move in a more positive direction. Um, I just want to say one thing that I had to do along the way, um, to get healing or even to start the process was first and foremost, I had to draw close to God. I had to, like, if your relationship is drifting from God, if you're far away, I just want to encourage you to just start to draw close to him again. Um, cause he cares so much about all of our fractures, all of our pieces and our broken hearts. And I just want to, I actually just want to read this scripture because I, I love the scripture so much. It's Deuteronomy 30, um, one through five in the message. It says, God will restore everything you lost. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places you were scattered, no matter how far away you end up. And I just love that so much because um, after years and years of trauma, I felt like I was a shattered vessel. You know, when you drop, um, say, like a large vase, pieces go everywhere. Yeah. I mean, six months later, you'll you'll find another piece under the couch or you'll find a piece, you know, like under the stove. Somehow these pieces travel forever. (laughs) We have kids and our youngest is prone to dropping things, usually glass things. (laughs) And it seems like no matter how much we clean up those broken pieces, we continue to find them, you know, however long. It's kind of like the thing with the Christmas tree. You find the the needles in June, you know, it's so funny. But, um, I I felt like that. I felt like I was just shattered everywhere and I didn't even know or see how God could put me back together. 
but he can and he will. God has the power to restore our hearts and he wants to give you a new heart, one that will allow you to be loved, to love others and to love yourself, which I'm just so big. You know, I'm so big about just, especially this year, the Lord's really put me on a journey of building up my identity and learning to love myself. And it has been, especially when you're somebody who, you know, grew up maybe in a mindset of self-love is prideful. You know, you want to be prideful, pride comes before fall, right? How many times have you heard pride comes before fall? And it can. And it's true. But not, not on the, not on the aspect of what God has taught us to love ourselves. Yeah. Because it's loving yourselves with the way God is asking us. It's not, it's not, um, it's not arrogant. It's not, um, it's not just having a big head. It's, it's, it's loving yourself for what God, how God loves us. And, finding that deep down love that he has for us inside of us. It, it's, it's hard to explain. It's almost yeah. like you just dig into yourself and find that inner love that God has for you deep down in your soul. And that just kind of transpires in the love for yourself, which at that point you're able to release that same love outward, you know, that other people feel. Yeah. I mean, you know how it is. You walk around and you see somebody like be boppity and they're smiling and they're happy. You're drawn to them. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's because those people have learned to love themselves. Yeah. You know, they love life and they love what God has ordained them to do in their life. And it shines outward. Yeah. And it's catching. Mm-hmm. It's like that. I think it's, in, I don't know where it is, but it, Paul saying he's learned the secret of life and it's to be content when you have a little and to be content when you have a lot. Right. And I think that all of that plays a part in, you know, how you care for your own soul, you know, because at the end of the day, if everybody leaves you, everyone, you still have yourself. So why not work on yourself? Why not be the best, absolute best version of yourself? Because that's what God wants for you anyways. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to love yourself. Right. And I think when you work on yourself and you find that place where you just, you're so happy with yourself and what you, what you, what you do, you know, in life, whether it's in the job you have or you know, how you treat people away from the job or you treat your friends. I think once you get content in that, you know, it's just, it's, it's something that people want to, like you said, they want to be around you because they can see it. They can see it all over you. It's, it's like, you know, somebody saying they can see, um, the anointing on somebody, you know, and, and that's probably what it is. You know, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's Christ in you, and you've learned to love yourself, you're going to have an anointing on you and people's going to recognize it. I know I was, I was watching this YouTube video by Graham Cook and I can't remember what the name of it 
name of it is now, but he's basically, you know, saying a prophetic word. And at the end of it, he says, you know, he's speaking for God. He's giving a prophetic word. And at the end of it, he says, and I want you to love yourself. And that part to me just stuck out so much because that's where I am. Just like you said, you can't give away what you don't have. So why not address that painful trauma that you've been avoiding? Right. And even for us, you know it. I mean, there's we still have our bad days. We can't deny that. And, and you know, there's still things that we're we dig up and try to heal from, you know, and we face, but, um, but we don't run from them. Right. Right. But the, the thing of it is too, the more we can work on ourselves, we can help others. And then gosh, they can turn around and literally help you. Yeah. It's when you get in these groups and you think, okay, I'm going to go listen to this person talk about inner healing or what have you. And say it's a small group, and then you get to to actually interact with them in the small group. And there's times when we talk to people that's listening to us, and as we listen to them, we find out that they have some very good, valid points that we can put in place to help us. So it's yeah. almost like we're getting back, yeah. even though we're we're trying to give to yeah. help others. There's a lot of times that these people who think they have bigger problems than us, we're finding out that we're getting feedback from them that's actually helping us. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, you're not you're not just taking but giving at the same time. And, you know, both sides of the group and both sides of the party is actually gaining, you know, positive things from that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's so important to just be vulnerable, of course, always. And I always want to preface with this. Make sure whoever that you are opening up to and you're being vulnerable with is someone that you trust. And I know you guys all know that person where you're like, yeah, I can tell them anything and it won't go anywhere. Or there's, you know, they're sympathetic and they give you good counsel. That's the type of person you want to share right. what you're going through with. Yeah, a true, a true friend or somebody that you can go to is somebody who's not going to, they're not going to repeat it to anybody yeah. but God. And for no. like those people that maybe have some really deep traumas, I even want to encourage you to seek out help from a licensed professional. You know, I've had to do that. Me, me and Brian, we've had to do that. We've had to do that in our life. It was like, we just, we had to get help. We had to get outside help from somebody who was unbiased, who would hear both of us, but also help pull us out of it. And I'm so thankful for those times that we just put our agendas aside and, you know, did that, worked on us. We went together, we went individually. And there's been times where, you know, I've gone just by myself, um, you know, years later, just because I really was going through a hard time again. I just needed a little bit of extra support and there's no shame in that. And I don't know where 
you know, that has ever come into play that getting therapy or counseling is, you know, shameful because it's, it's so not, I feel like it's a sign of strength, not weakness. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, I believe so. I think, I think that's where a lot of people, they don't come out with their problems and stuff because they don't want to be thought of as, you know, somebody who's don't have it together or they're crazy or, you know, anytime, you know, people think, oh, you got to go to counselor, then something's mentally wrong with right. you. Yeah. And that's not true at so all. Not true. There's a lot of really strong people that are in counseling, you know, just I mean, you know, you could be like, you can be a straight upright citizen, just strong, be successful, professional, but that don't mean you're not going to be on counseling because something happened in your childhood. Your inside world could be a mess. And, you know, we need to use all of those resources without feeling condemned or pressed down by the enemy because he's the only one that's telling us that, you know, we don't have friends and family around you telling you that it's just a lot of times it's in our own head what the enemy's trying to tell us and condemn us and make us feel like we're, you know, second class citizens. And, and, you know, it's, that's not the point, you know, it's, we're there to get healing and to, you know, just saying, well, you should go to the hospital. He go there to get help. So we do that on the spiritual realm too. Yeah. Well, it's like you go, you go to the doctor to get healing for your body. And I feel like a counselor or a therapist is healing for those inside parts, those emotional parts, your heart issues for out of it flows the wellspring of life. So get, get healed, (laughs) get healed. I'm a big advocate for get healed. It's so worth it. I'm not going to say it's not painful, you know, opening those things back up, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Healing is worth it. Being whole is worth it. Being the best version of yourself is worth it. Being that mom that you've always wanted to be is worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, nothing else. Sometimes we come away from those sessions. You know, if you have a really good counselor, or don't have to be a necessarily good counselor, but a lot of times we come away from those with a better understanding. And we realize that our problems we can overcome and they're not that big. Just like sometimes you go to the doctor. I know there's been times I've went to the doctor and I haven't felt good. And I'm like, I'm going to go there and he's going to find out something. Something's and, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then he he does tests and examines me and everything. And he's like, nope, everything's good. Everything came back positive. You seem like a healthy 40-some-year-old person. And you leave there thinking... You leave there feeling great because you're like, there's nothing wrong with me. And, you know, that's, that's what a lot of times counseling will help us do. You know, we get we get to where we're feeling down or we, we're beat down and then we go to a counselor and they put it in perspective where you will overcome this. Yeah. And it's not it that bad and you can get through this. And it just, it does. It gives you a new hope. Yeah. I think that's really what I want to to end this with is just... You can get healed from the trauma that you're facing today. And I know sometimes um, even the thought of dealing with that can seem overwhelming, but healing is worth it. Being whole is worth it. And I just want to leave you with these final thoughts. 
God has the power to heal your heart. God is near. God cares for you. And God wants you to be whole again. So as always, guys, we want to thank you for tuning in as we share with you our hearts and our journey. Until next time, we bless, we bless you. you.